Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 987 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, July the 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we have something very special to promote today. It is the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It is a huge undertaking. Uh, the the, the Locked On NBA Network is undertaken. Uh, that good good English, Sean. Uh, there's a, It's a full mock draft featuring all the local hosts. It features David Locke. It features our wonderful Locked On NBA draft host, Raphael, who was on last episode of the podcast on Friday. Uh, it's got Sam Ferris and Cody from the Locked On uh, NBA draft podcast as well. The NBA draft dummies. Richard Stamen as well. Another wonderful draft person on that podcast. In addition to that... There are a whole bunch of experts chiming in as well. You've got Ryan McDonough, former GM of the Suns, is a part of it. You've got Chad Ford with Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Of course, we all know about Chad Ford and his long history of draft coverage. Uh, really an awesome lineup of uh, guest analysts and, the, of course, the local host leading you all the way through. And I'm on the first episode today. So go and subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 wherever you get your podcast. It's excellent. And if you're a draft person getting ready for the draft, you're excited for the draft in 10 days, this this is absolutely a great way to kill the next six days of uh, at least six weekdays as this will be running through until Monday of next week. So go and subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft right now. Uh, all right, on today's show, we're just going to kind of bounce around a few topics uh, related to the Raptors. We've got lots of draft stuff coming up later this week as well. And so we're going to take a step aside from the draft breakdowns at the moment just to kind of talk about some trade stuff and, you know, keep a finger on that pulse as the uh draft draws nearer and the free agency period draws nearer as well it's only a couple weeks away at this point too and joining me to talk about Damian Lillard the Raptors potentially trading up in the draft Masai Ujiri a whole bunch more is our pal who's always here on Mondays it's Big V what's going on man nothing much man it was a good weekend got to see some friends which is nice got to see my family Ooh, yeah yeah we're getting a whole lot closer to normal so it's all good I can't tell you how excited I am to pay way over market for Toronto Blue Jays tickets <laughs> when they are back playing at the Dome. I am going to go crazy. I'm telling you that. It'll be like a full podcast month's worth of, re- worth of revenue. Just going right to the freaking tickets for the Blue Jays. I'm very, very excited. Uh, no one knows how much the podcast makes. That could be $20, and you have no idea. Uh, <laughs> either way, um, let's uh, let, let's get into some stuff here, Big mm-hmm. V. Uh, there's Damian Lillard talk once again, because the Portland Trail Blazers cannot get out of their own way, and man, how Neil Holshay has survived this offseason to this point is... Kind of a miracle. He's a human cockroach. Good job to him, I suppose, for the job security. Uh, But the Blazers are a mess. On Friday, there were reports that Dane was going to ask for a trade. 
He then kind of rebuffed that and said he hasn't asked for a trade yet, that although he is asking for a lot of the front office to turn the team around and make it good again. Um, all of this, of course, is filtered through Chris Haynes, which, you know, we love Chris Haynes, but man, the dude is just deeply afflicted by scoop brain, uh, and I really have no idea how to even read the words that he writes about Damian Lillard because they're kind of, you know, seem to be vetted and passed through so many different channels that I don't really understand what it all means. And so we're at this point now where it seems like there's no trade request, but it really does seem like it's coming, or maybe it's already happened behind closed doors and Dame's trying to protect his reputation as the loyal guy without doing a public trade demand. I have no idea, but it does feel like there's maybe a little bit more momentum for a Damian Lillard trade here than there was, you know, obviously when the playoffs ended and even like a month ago when all this stuff was going down with Chauncey Billups. So Vivek, let's bring it back around. We've talked about this before, but hey, it's a daily podcast. It's the off season. We can touch on it again and see if we've updated our thoughts at all. Damian Lillard, he becomes available. There's a trade request out there, and it's uh, it's very widely known. There's a bidding war. Should the Raptors throw all their chips in? Do, do you think that he's the guy to go and make that big win now trade for? Uh, or do you take a pass on this one? What's your overall view of the Lillard situation? And how much would you be willing to offer to the Blazers in exchange for him? I think when I look at the Damian Lillard situation, he falls under that category that I've said, right? Like if there is a 1A superstar to go get, then you're willing to sacrifice pieces to go get it. So Lillard is on that list. Uh, I would be happy to put together a package to see if that can entice the Blazers. From Lillard's perspective, I assume if he's leaving the Blazers, it's to go to a team that he knows will be straight into contention. And so how do you put together a package that still keeps enough around in Toronto where he can genuinely believe that the Raptors would be contenders with that trade is where I think you run into a bit of a, uh, a roadblock. And so, you know, does the, does the trade involve Pascal Siakam and pieces? Well, then I I imagine you're a bit short of contention. Does the trade involve Fred Van Vliet plus, plus pieces, then maybe you're in the conversation. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm with you there, and ultimately, I don't see a path to a Lillard trade that the Blazers would also accept that puts the Raptors at the top of the East. I mean, the, the Nets aren't going anywhere, the Bucks aren't going anywhere, the Celtics, you would figure, are going to sort their crap out, and, you know, the, the Hawks are rising, obviously, we've seen the Heat, maybe they bounce back after a tough season, you know, after being in the bubble so long, you know, there's a lot to really contend with in the Eastern Conference. So you have to be absolutely sure that you are part of that conversation. And I think we mentioned this when we talked about it before, but I'll reiterate it. Like, the reason you bring in Damian Lillard to the Raptors is because there are defensive players who can shield him and fill in the, the gaps that he leaves behind as a subpar defender while also having guys who can, you know, create around him and, and you know, offer that secondary playmaking and scoring in a way that there really hasn't been that outside of C.J. McCollum. They haven't had a ton of that in Portland either. It's just kind of been a very imbalanced thing where they've kind of taken the heliocentric approach way too far. And in Toronto, if you had Pascal Siakam and O.J. Ananobi to pair with Damian Lillard, 
I think you're there. I, I think that sort of one, two, three, plus whatever you're able to do with the center position, plus the growth from Malachi Flynn, uh, you know, you have you know your second round picks this year. Maybe you fill in the gaps with a couple rotation players, trade up, grab one rotation player at the back end of the first round, whatever it might be. You know, there's a way to build a roster around a Lillard, Siakam, and an OB core that makes a lot of sense and helps to balance out what Damian Lillard doesn't do so well, which is play defense. If you're trading away Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, which I feel like would be the pieces that would actually get the conversation going, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll get to Fred in a sec. I don't think that would be the case with him. Then you're kind of compromising the entire reason to trade for Lillard and the entire infrastructure that makes it a team that could contend right away when you bring Lillard in. And so I don't think this is the trade for the Raptors. I, I think there's, uh, you know, there, there's always, there's, there's rarely superstars that come available and maybe every superstar, you should just try to get whatever, regardless of the circumstance because of superstars. But I don't know if Lillard is, you know, on the level of a Kawhi, first of all. I think Kawhi is like in his very own specific tier along with, you know, LeBron, Giannis, like the, the very, very best in the world. That's fair. And Lillard, while a superstar, might be one little smidgen of a tier below. But I think that smidgen of a tier matters because it's just you can't just plop that guy into any roster and have it work. And so I think without, you know, sorry, with Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi being part of the deal, I just don't think it's worth it. And I think you wait until the next opportunity to strike. You say, all right, cool, we'll take the fourth overall pick. We'll take Jalen Suggs or whoever's there for us at four. And we go forward, and we're happy with that, and we can search for the next trade. Because, look, this team is going to make a trade at some point in the next couple years. They have the contracts to do so. They have all of their first-round picks still intact. They're going to have some highly vaunted talent coming in as well in the form of the fourth pick. Like They're going to have the ammunition to make a deal at some point here. I just wonder if maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit and you say, oh, there's the shiny thing, must trade for the shiny thing. But what if a shinier thing comes along in a year and you've used all your bullets on a guy who just doesn't get you to that point because of the way the roster is constructed at this current time? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think you've made a lot of great points there, Sean. And I think the separation between Lillard and the two-way superstars like uh, Kawhi and... KD and LeBron uh, and obviously we're seeing Giannis do it in the finals right now. Uh, There is a difference. And so how much of a difference is it? I think that's where you look at what Trey Young did with the Hawks. And I was definitely one of those guys that looked at Trey Young before he began this amazing playoff run and said, I don't know if a guy that size, uh, is going to be as effective in the postseason because of the way teams will be able to tar- target him defensively. And we saw that obviously that that wasn't as much of an issue uh, and they were able to hide him effectively enough. And I think there's similar things that you can do with Damian Lillard. And I think he's obviously an incredible offensive force, but you're right. He, you would want Siakam and OG and Anobi paired alongside him, which then how much does Fred Van Vliet Plus, essentially, if if, you, if Fred Van Vliet is somehow in the conversation to be uh, the face of that deal going back to Portland, then you're definitely sacrificing a lot more of your future, right? If, sure. if it's Siakam or Ananobi, you could see yourself maybe giving up less picks in the deal. 
But if Fred Van Vliet is in that deal, you're probably giving up more of the future. And so, yeah, it's going to be tough from that standpoint. I I don't see Portland, uh, you know, budging on that. But at the same time, if someone would have told me that the Raptors were going to be able to trade for Kawhi Leonard and not give up OG (laughs) and an OB or Pascal Siakam back then, I would have said you're nuts. And it happened. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, It continues to be wild. By the way, happy anniversary yesterday (laughs) to the Kawhi trade. And uh, I'll never forget the getting the news, like knowing the trade was happening and not knowing the return for a couple hours. I was supposed to be working. Instead, I was sitting in my car, not starting my route when I was reading gas meters. Uh, (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here for a while. And then the, the thing comes across. No Pascal, no uh, no OG, and I basically did like a skip around a parking lot, if I recall. Um, good times, happy anniversary. But yeah, you know, good points uh, made by you. I, I think, you know, it just might be one of those cases where you hope that you can buy low, right? Like the Raptors were able to buy low on Kawhi because of all the circumstances. It's going to be more difficult, I think, to buy low with Dame unless he really forces the Blazers' hands and is, like, threatening to hold out or something like that, which it doesn't seem like he's going to do. But, you know, the, the buy low here is, yeah, you, like, you offer up Fred and Boucher and all the picks and hope that gets it done. And maybe the fourth overall pick is a good enough asset to the Blazers where they think about it. But, you know, it I guess it ty- entirely depends on what their, you know, hopes and dreams are, too. You know, the point was made when I was kind of talking about this online over the weekend— you know, the Blazers are in like a weird ownership position. It sounds like Jody Allen wants to tr- sell the team as soon as she can. And, you know, you don't really want to sell a team when you're in the depths of a rebuild. And so, you know, what's their motivation there? Are they trying to get a star back? Are they hoping for Ben Simmons or something like that to keep the value of the franchise buoyant? You know, it's uh, all very cynical, rich people shit. But, you know, that's a thing to consider here as well. I would just advise to Raptors fans, don't hang your hopes on this one. And also, there will be another one that comes along. And the Raptors are in an extremely good position to make a deal at some point here for a star who comes along. Or they just ride it out and they take Jalen Suggs and they have him you know, blossom into something over the next few years. And I keep assuming it's Jalen Suggs. I probably shouldn't do that. But um, you know, that feels like the way this is heading at the moment, which is a perfectly cromulent direction to be headed in. Uh, We're going to continue on here, and I want to talk a little bit about that fourth overall pick and whether the Raptors should look at trading up. We haven't really talked about that. We've talked about them trading back in the draft and things like that before last uh, couple weeks ago with uh, Philip from the Orlando Magic show. Uh, We're going to talk about the idea of trading up and why I think they should not do it. Even uh, don't even think about it. There's no need. Uh, We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Indeed, who are the place to go if you are hiring for your company, and they give you like a wonderful quality list of candidates who match all of the things you need. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. It's the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screen interview all on Indeed. It makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And they have Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to 
a talent nest. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. They're the best. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posted at Indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked, Indeed.com slash locked, offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. I believe that's supposed to be July 31st. My bad. Uh, we'll continue on here in just a sec, but today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. You can go and get yourself a mixed box, two of each of their nine staple flavors, including cherry barcia, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. They're all very, very good, and you can choose your favorite flavor by getting that mixed box. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. I've talked about Built Bar before a lot on this podcast, of course. Uh, I love them. They're a wonderful way to start the day. You know, it's like a nice... It feels like you're cheating, but you're actually not. And also, it's a good way to give you some fuel for the morning. Maybe you're going for a, a run or a bike ride or whatever it might be. You don't want to feel too heavy with a big breakfast in your stomach. A Built Bar is a great alternative, and it gives you all the stuff you need to power through your workout. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your first order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Big V, let's continue on here. Um, trading up. The Raptors have, of course, the number four pick. There's been lots of scuttlebutt over the last couple weeks uh, about the potential of teams trading up to number one. Talk of the Rockets and the Cavs. Less so of the Rockets. The Cavs were kind of you know, pinpointed as a trade-down team very early on in the draft process, as early as the night of the draft lottery, you know, thinking about maybe moving on from some of their dudes and maybe trading that pick to try to expedite their rebuild a little bit here. And the Raptors have been kind of quiet in that midst, and I'm glad to hear it, frankly. Uh, I don't think the Raptors should be trading up. That's still an option, though. There's still, you know, it's on the table, and the other side of the logic goes... If there's a guy who you really covet, who you really think is the dude that you really want, and you don't fancy yourself a lottery team beyond this year, then maybe you pay the the, the premium to move up and get the guy you absolutely want. I have a different view of that, but that's certainly one totally valid way of thinking. I'm curious with you, Vivek, do you have any desire to see the Raptors pursue a trade up? Are you that infatuated by Jalen Green or Evan Mobley that you feel it's a necessity for the Raptors to make good on their one time with this ammunition with the fourth pick and try to move up? Or are you content with just letting whoever falls to four fall to four and move on with the pick from there? So before I answer that question, there's just one thing I wanted to throw in about the conversation we were having earlier uh, when you were mentioning sure. your online chat about uh, ownership, new ownership potentially coming in and what the situation of the team might be. I don't think that's sure. a huge factor. Uh, whoever that new owner is coming in, uh, they will know that the NBA is, uh, TV rights deal is, is coming up in in 2025 <laughs> yeah, and the original deal the, the current deal is at about 24 billion uh the next one is slated to be about 70 75 billion so um i don't think the state of the team is going to impact how much they anticipate from that coming in um fair enough now looking at whether the raptors should trade up i would say that this works both ways again. You know, I think this is where we get into the habit mm. of saying, oh yeah, the Raptors want this guy. This is the deal that works. And then we forget to think about the other side of it. And I think the latest reports sure. have the Houston Rockets uh, being very high on Jalen Green. And 
they've noted that Jalen Suggs has entered the conversation at least a little bit. Um, but if, if they want to pick Jalen Green at number two, they have no incentive to trade down. Uh, and then uh, you look at what the Cavs might do at three. Yeah, I don't see why either of those teams would be interested in moving down. Because I assume if the Raptors are looking for uh, Jalen Suggs, they are happy to stay where they are. Um, they, they- yeah, I mean, I could see it more from the Rockets side of things because they're pretty early in their rebuild, right? So if you can get an extra asset, maybe it's worth it, but not really from the Cavs. Right, yeah. So th- th- it's potentially there, but I feel like, again, it, it would be more likely if they were interested in Suggs first, right? It, if, oh. if they were like, hey... Suggs is our guy. That's the guy we want. We're okay with moving down. Uh, but if it's if it's Jalen Green, then I don't know why you move down and then take the chance that the Raptors uh, picked up. Uh, so sure. I, I think that's where I see it as pretty unlikely. If from strictly a Raptors perspective, yeah, I, I do think I'm high enough on Jalen Green where if there's a deal to be found to move up, then I, I would go ahead and do it. Uh, but I'm also quite happy to pick Jalen Suggs. Uh, I will say this. I, I do prefer one of the Jalen's, one of the guards uh, over Evan Mobley at this point. Uh, and so mm-hmm. uh, when I look at the long-term future of the Raptors, building uh, that guard play with either of those guys, I think would be great. Um, and yeah, uh, either one of them, I think you've made this point about putting them in the Raptors system. That's where you expect uh, the maximum yield to happen from any of these teams when you look at their development system. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, either way, if you're the Raptors, you're feeling pretty good. I mean, getting into the top four has just changed so much. It's very rad. I'm like, I continue to be very happy about it. It's a, it's a turn of events. I agree with. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, you know, you made the point that I was going to make, and that is that, yeah, I don't think the Raptors should feel any sort of pressure to move up because there's going to be a good player there at four. And, you know, kind of going through the process here, talking to people about these guys, we'll do more talking with people about these guys this week. In fact, PD Webb, one of the best uh, Twitter draft people, is going to jump on the podcast later this week, and we're going to talk about the top of the draft guys. Um, you know, so we'll continue that conversation, but... You know, in sort of going through them so far, it it does really feel like it's all sort of a matter of taste between Suggs, Green, and Mobley. Like, yes, maybe Green and Mobley kind of are perceived to have higher upsides than Suggs, but Suggs seems to have a pretty high floor and also a pretty high upside with his athleticism and his ball handling and his playmaking and the fact that he's like six foot four. Like, there's a lot to like about Jalen Suggs. There's there's really very little to to ding him on. And so I I just kind of think... You're going to get a good player there regardless. And looking at the Rockets and the Cavs and their histories of maybe not developing guys super well, you know, the Rockets haven't really had to develop anybody for a long time because they haven't had first round picks because they've traded them all away for Trevor Ariza or whoever else they have come in on those James Harden teams. And I just feel like the Raptors are going to be the leaders in the clubhouse when it comes to developing the dude that they get ahead of the teams at two and three like I I think you could make a reasonable argument and I will ask smarter people about this but I think you know we all talk about before the draft like oh this guy's gonna be the best this guy's gonna be the best like the situation clearly matters when it comes to the draft like there's no doubt about it it absolutely does and 
I don't think you're finding a better situation in the top four than Toronto because they're already kind of ready to go. It's plug and play. There's championship experience. There's a good coach on board. There's a good development staff that, you know, has a really long track record now of turning guys into more than what you project them to be. And I just think, you know, you can make all your projections and what between Green, Mobley, and Suggs and say who's going to be best. I think you could easily make the argument that whoever lands with the Raptors of those three is going to have the best career just because of where they're starting, the footing they have to start their careers as opposed to being with Cleveland and Houston. And sorry to any Cleveland or Houston fans who are listening, but they're bad franchises. I don't know. Like they've they've got a long track record of not doing things super well where the Raptors do. And so I kind of think the Raptors are in a perfect spot. Just let whoever falls to you fall to you, and you still have a chance of getting who will end up being the best player of those three, which is, uh, like, let me ask you that. Like, am I doing too much of the, you know, the Raptors are the protagonist of reality thing here by saying that, or do you think that's a totally reasonable conclusion to come to? I think it's reasonable. I think there's a good chance that happens because again, the Raptors have set the standard uh, in terms of developing guys. And I think they will believe that whoever they pick will, will, they'll be able to work with and get the max potential out of them. Houston Mm -hmm. and Cleveland have to prove that. Um, I will say, you know, obviously uh, it felt like the back court uh, took some strides last year, but um, Mm -hmm. I would still put the Raptors above them. So pretty comfortably. So yeah, I, I think you're perfectly entitled to think that way. And I think a lot of people should. And yeah, the, I think the only uh, difference the, that I see between a, a green and a Suggs that, yeah, they're all, you know, very, very good prospects, but in terms of a ceiling, I do see a higher ceiling for Jalen green. Uh, if he's in sure. the Raptor system, uh, than I would for say uh, a Jalen Suggs. Who would be? Who would still yeah, probably be more NBA awesome. ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Suggs is, I think, the most ready of those. Yeah, guys. no, that's what I'm saying. You know. Suggs probably is the guy who can contribute more right away, but uh, right. Green is probably the guy who has the high, higher ceiling, long term. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I yeah, I think I'm pretty against the idea of trading up because you know you kind of dig into your ammunition for future trades as well, right? Like this sort of blueprint exists for a trade like this. It's you trade, you know, up, but you also give up a future first, probably unprotected. And, you know, even if that pick isn't great, you know, the Raptors are good again next season. They flirt with 50 wins or whatever it might be. You know, that's still an extra first round pick you can't throw into a trade for a star. And so, you know, I don't think the difference between Suggs at four and Green or Mobley at two or three is enough to give up that extra ammunition going into the future. So uh, it seems like we've, uh, we've, we've exhausted this topic for all <laughs> it's worth. Uh, stay at four Raptors and draft a good player. And we'll be all very, very happy about it. Um, we'll continue on and just want to finish off. We'll talk about Masai Ujiri and some other straight thoughts on the Raptors off season in just one second here. But first want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The stretch drives coming up, the trade deadlines in 10 days, It's all very exciting, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including your baseball action, over at betonline.ag. Maybe you want to bet on the Blue Jays to come back and win the AL East. They're only like six and a half games back now. They look very good. Their run differential is like plus 1,000. It's the best in the AL East. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is uh, hitting baseballs 
very, very far all the time. And they're coming back to Toronto, and that's very exciting. So if you want to get on the Blue Jays bandwagon, go and bet on them to go and do wonderful things in the back half of the baseball season at Bet Online, and don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag with the promo code Locked On. They are your online sports book experts. Go bet on the Blue Jays to win a bazillion games in the back half of the year. All right, Vivek, uh, let's round out here. I just wanted to sort of circle back and uh, talk about Masai Ujiri, who we haven't talked about in quite a while. Uh, I'm going to assume no news is good news when it comes to Masai and his contract situation. He's been very cagey about it. He was in his postseason press conference. There's not been much mention of it ever since then. Bobby Webster has been the front-facing person talking to the media during events like the draft lottery. We haven't really seen much of Masai other than sort of background shots of him at pro days and stuff like that and in the scouting process, which I'm taking to, you know, believe, you know, I'm using those to believe it's a good thing, right? Um, you know, it just feels like we would probably hear something if things weren't, you know, going well and, and tracking towards him being back with the team. But I uh, just wanted to have a little temperature check on Masai Ujiri before we wrap up the show. Big V, are, are you still, I guess I don't really know where you've stood on it the whole time, but <laughs> where are you at with Masai? Are you feeling confident? Are you feeling excited? Are you feeling like you'd have no idea what the hell is even going on? Uh, concern creeping in? I, I don't even know technically when his contract ends. It usually would have been July 1, but I think the year's uh, the, the league's year calendar got moved around a little bit, so I'm guessing it's like August 3rd uh, or August 2nd when his contract ends. We still haven't heard anything. Where are you at? What's your sort of confidence level that Masai Ujiri will be sticking with the Raptors going forward here? My confidence now is very high. I remember when the season ended, I was like, okay, priority number one is Masai. Get that done. Get that done ASAP. <laughs> and then he had his you know, end of season um, media address. And he said that he was going to Africa to check out Bal. And I was like, I hope something sorted up before he's gone uh, because he would probably stay there for a little bit. And then... Nothing has come since and things have sort of progressed, but then we've seen him watch draft prospects. We've seen everything seem to play out very normally as if he's fully functioning as the Raptors president. And so that's made me very confident at this stage. I do agree with you. I do think that no news is good news because it seems as though he's not looking at anywhere else. It's it's you think at this point, if you know he wasn't working for the Raptors anymore, he'd be doing uh, a lot of what he kind of wants to do with his own time. And so uh, I mm-hmm. think him looking as though he is fully prepping for this draft suggests that things are in order and it might just be a matter of time. And maybe they're being respectful of the NBA finals to not break out the news because Masai is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, they'll wait till the very, like in the 2019 finals, the second they won, Woj dropped the report about the Wizards yes. lurking around looking for Masai. Maybe that's what they mm-hmm. do to spoil the celebration of the Bucks or the Suns, whoever wins the title. Um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, too. All the reporting from, you know, the Michael Granges, the people who are plugged into the team, uh, really suggests that it's... Uh, you know, not something to be worried about, even if it's not being talked about, even if there's not public positive negotiations going on. It doesn't feel like there's anything 
sort of nefarious going on behind the scenes. It seems like everything seems to be kind of going along pretty harmoniously. And he's like around, he's addressing the team's needs. He's like at scouting days and stuff like that. Um, I think the exact phrasing from Michael Grange was that he really seems like a guy who realizes the team's problems are his to fix, which is a good thing to hear. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like so at ease about it all. And maybe it's because there's no other teams out there that have big openings, right? Or at least no teams with, you know, attractive openings are out there. You know, the Wizards seems to have kind of gotten their shit together a little mm-hmm. bit. Tommy Shepard seems to be doing a good job. They just hired West Sunsell Jr. It seems like they're just going to keep on forging ahead. There's the, you know, the, like, the Knicks don't have an opening. The Lakers don't have, like, the, all the teams that matter. The, the the Mavs obviously filled in their opening, even though I never really thought Masai Ujiri was a guy who would work for Mark Cuban's ass. But, um, you know, that was a, a bit of a concern quelled pretty quickly. It doesn't really feel like there's a place for him to go. And if he is going to go somewhere, as I've said for years, it's probably not in basketball or it's probably at some higher level of basketball than managing a team, which seems almost below him at this point. Um, And so if he does that, then all power to him, I guess. I I feel pretty good, man. I I I just I can't really envision a world in which he's not back. And it's going to be great when you get that, you know, the, the 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 notification that he has, in fact, signed. But also... I'm kind of wondering if there's any chance that there's never an announcement and it's just like, oh, yeah, Messiah's still hanging around. They haven't really announced his contract. He's, you know, private about that stuff, but he's still here. Like, do you think that's a possibility, too? Like, we get into next season, there's been no announcement, and Messiah's just hanging out at games and doing his thing? <laughs> um, I think that would be pretty nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I assume the announcement's coming at some point. Um, so... Yeah, hopefully it's a it's a long term extension, but I think that's where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a short term deal where he keeps things sure. flexible, um, where he keeps his options open, and he says, okay, you know, uh, there is a synergy between what I want and what ownership wants. And he made that very clear in his address, right, when he said that, hey, the championship is in the past. It's how do we build towards the next one? How do we? Uh, create an NBA where the Raptors are clearly uh, on equal footing with other teams in terms of how they're viewed in terms of the exposure they get and all that. Those are things that matter to him. And he made that very clear. And so he needs to see uh, that MLSC is aligned on that stuff. So yeah, I I think I'd I'd be pretty confident at this stage that it'll be a new short-term deal where he's able to keep them on their toes. And then, you know, we'll see later down the line what happens. Yeah, it would be some pretty blatant malpractice for MLSE to not, you know, cede to whatever the hell Masai wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, very clearly, when the Raptors are good, they are an enormous cash cow for you. Masai helps make the Raptors good, and it seems as though the things he was kind of alluding to wanting are only things that will make the Raptors better and sort of higher standing within the NBA. And so... If you're MLSC and saying, you know what, we can do without that stuff, bye-bye, Masai, uh, maybe just give up on owning sports teams entirely. Uh, <laughs> it just feels like, you know, in the interest of making your nut, which we all know the billionaires want to make their nut, uh, having Masai around and doing the things he wants to do will be the proper long-term investment in said nut. Uh, that feels like a good place to leave it off. I've said nut far too many times. Uh, Vivek, thanks for being here, man. It's lovely chatting as always. Always a wonderful start to the week to chat with you on Mondays. Uh, anything you would like to promote? 
Just the usual stuff, man. You can check out my work for CBC. I'll be doing a lot of Olympics uh, work, whatever will be yeah, you will. Uh, left of the Olympics <laughs> once it begins. Um, <laughs> and then uh, usual stuff for Complex and got the so- soccer podcast still going, Red Couch Manx, and hard to believe, but the Premier League season will be here soon enough uh, in less than a month now, it feels like. Uh, they're already playing yeah. friendly, so yeah. Uh, everything is full steam ahead. So you can follow me on Twitter as well at Jacob. I'm diving back into the Premier League full on this year. Uh, I'm doing it. It's been a couple of years where I've kind of lapsed my fandom and it's been more uh, watching Champions League and not really paying all that much attention. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to bite the bullet and get to zone so I can watch it. Uh, <laughs> it's been two years of me dragging my feet. I'll be back in. So you can have me guest on your podcast when Tottenham beats the piss out of Man U in any game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever might happen. I, Tottenham, probably not going to do that, but that's fine. Um, yeah, that's uh, going to do it for today. You can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review uh, this podcast wherever you get it. It's uh, always appreciated when you do the things that the podcast app asks you to do to support the podcast you like. Uh, of course, we'll be back again later this week with many more episodes. On Tuesday, I'm going to be joined by the nice guy of NBA Twitter, uh, Mark Schindler from Premium Hoops, going to pop on. We're going to talk about guys in the back end of the first round in the event the Raptors make a trade to move up with their two second rounders to try to snag a second first round pick. So we'll talk about some interesting dudes there with Mark, who's very, very smart and has very, very bad food takes, but it's because all of his good takes have been consumed by his basketball takes. Um, We've also got PD Webb, as I mentioned, coming up later on the show too. We're going to kind of run through the top of the draft guys again, uh, sort of sort through that two, three, four range and what the best outcomes for the Raptors would be. I'll also run my theory by him about the Raptors just getting the best guy regardless because they're the Raptors and they have good development versus the Cavs and Rockets. We'll have that uh, and a bunch more throughout this week as well as we draw very close to the NBA draft. It's very exciting times. Uh, Also a reminder, go listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft, which is awesome. And I'm on part one. You can hear my beautiful, silky voice talking about Jalen Suggs, who is my pick in the mock draft. Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) He's been the dude we've been talking about the whole time. I hope you go enjoy that. It's a really, really great, well-produced thing. I saw the uh, audition project that our editor, Nick Angstat from the NBA channel, had going on. It's uh, basically like looking at a beautiful mind. So go and uh, subscribe and listen to that. It's a lot of fun. The Ultimate Mock Draft. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be back again on Tuesday with Mark Schindler talking more draft for you with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye.